<sighs> that is the amazing Jen Chata, huh? How beautiful. And the Bodhi Band, as always. Oh, we say it a lot, but we say it because it's true. We are so blessed by the music here, aren't we? So blessed. Amazing, amazing. Um, I also want to honor uh, those of you who were here last night for the show by um, Sue O'Halloran and Megan McDonough. It was a celebration of St. Patrick's Day, and there two Irish women telling their stories, and it was just magnificent. It was a, it was a great evening, and I felt just such a blessing upon our community for this magnificent show. So I recognize them for that. So we are um, we're in the final um, Sunday of studying the Exodus, the story of the Exodus from the Old Testament. And those of you who have been here for all three weeks, um, I hope that you are, have been personalizing this story, not just listening to it as a story of a people um, centuries ago, but actually a story that we use to glean the metaphysical message and personal revelation that is within it, which is what we have been doing. Um, we started with the story of understanding how Moses was called to free the Israelites from Egypt and how he was appointed to, to do this and how Pharaoh was holding them in slavery and unwilling to let them go. And the challenge when we receive a calling and we don't listen, how life gets harder and harder and harder, not as punishment but as law because we must um, we're not must. When we learn to listen to the voice of guidance and inspiration in the beginning, our suffering is less. But that wasn't the case in this story. They, they got to the 10th plague, got themselves out, finally crossed the Red Sea, found themselves in the wilderness. Last week, we looked at a metaphysical interpretation of some of the um, commandments, the 10 commandments, which were revealed in the wilderness to the Israelites. Moses went up to Mount Sinai and, and was given, if you will, was uh, in meditation and prayers, how I imagine it was revealed a way for these people to be together spiritually, kind of the guiding principles that they have within them. And this week, we look at what occurs when thousands and thousands of people are trying to be a community. Because in the story, it is said from morning, early morning until late at night, Moses would meet with the people and help them solve their problems. He would, from a spiritual perspective, listen to what was going on and give them guidance on how to be together, how to love one another, and how to um, put God first, he, how to live the commandments that they were given. He became their spiritual leader, and all day long, they're coming to his door trying to get his help to solve problems. Well, his uh, father-in-law, Jethro, shows up and says, dude, you're going to kill yourself. There is no way you can meet all these people's needs. There's absolutely no way you can do this. Um, so Moses is like, look, this is my job. I'm trying to do it as best I can. He says, I get that, but you're getting exhausted. They're getting exhausted. It isn't working, and we need you. We need you, so I'm going to give you a plan of how to do this so that it will work. And it says, I will show you how to be a leader of thousands, a leader of 500, a leader of hundreds, a leader of 50, and a leader of 10. And inside this story, and, 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 and how you can allow God to guide the people and form them into groupings that will make this work. And what will happen is they will begin to handle their own situations and problems together. And then anything that they do actually need your guidance that will rise up to the top and you'll be able to address only that. So you will preserve your relationship with God and your well-being and others will be empowered to be a part 
of the community versus followers. Now remember, these are slaves. These are people who are coming out of a way of being where it's just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I don't have a mind of my own. Very similar to us today. Very similar to how us coming out of a religion that told us what to do, what was right, what was wrong. Many of us, not all of us, but there's a waking up. We are exiting out of a particular way of doing spiritual community into an empowered way. So we represent, Bodhi represents a group of people in the wilderness trying to find a way to be together. And very, very much like the story of Moses, truth be told, Bodhi finds itself stuck in the old paradigm of trying to be everything to everyone and not sure how to empower people. In this story of Exodus is the how. Centuries ago, it tells about the idea of creating small groups of 10 people. Now, there's a very specific reason for this. Um, Intimacy occurs, deep, meaningful intimacy occurs where everyone matters if there's 10 or few. When it's more than 10, it becomes something else. When you get into 15 and 20 and 25, do you know when you're in a group of that size, you can choose to opt out or stay. You become personally responsible for deciding if you belong or don't. Truth be told, you're not ready for that much decision making (laughs) because we'll opt ourselves out all the time. We'll fade out. We won't show up. If it's all in our court, chances are we won't do it if we don't want to. It tends to be, you know, I'd love to go, but, you know, Brady Bunch has got some good reruns on tonight. So, yeah, it won't matter if I'm there. That's the mindset when you get into larger numbers of people. It doesn't matter if I'm there. That's what happens to communities. You have to individually choose if you matter. And most of us don't have the muscle or the awareness of our power yet to know that we matter that much to just sit in this room. Most of us don't get that. You don't get that your being here is making a difference in the consciousness of everybody else. Do you think about that? I don't think you do. I'm assuming you don't. I don't mean to offend. I just assume you don't think about it, right? But in groups of 10 or under, as it's taught in the Exodus, everyone matters. And if you are not there, it's noticed. If you're not there, it makes a difference. And the other nine people are empowered to say, hey, where are you? How are you? What do you need? That creates belonging and intimacy. Intimacy. You know what the definition of intimacy is? Listen to this. Into me, I see. Intimacy. Into me, I see the scariest thing in the world. Intimacy in our culture, we run from it. We keep super busy, we overschedule, we overbook, we do a great tap dance because you know what the rule is in our culture? Save your face, not your ass. Save your face at all costs. If your money's going down, if you're suffering from addictions, if your work is horrible, look good. Look good and don't show it. That's our culture, people. That's screwed up. That's the consciousness we have come out of and are repeating. It it is inherent in our energy. Save your face. Look good. Look good. Don't let them see the man behind the curtain. That's the rule. Now, spiritual community, in order to be healthy and vibrant, is the exact opposite, as it always is here at Bodhi. Here at Bodhi, we say the only way for you to know God is to stop saving your face, open the curtain, and be known, be seen. 
Allow yourself to matter. Allow yourself to be loved. Allow yourself to fall down and be vulnerable. Allow yourself to be angry and upset and don't leave. That's where spiritual practice is in community. That's what this is about, the story of Exodus. The story of Exodus, because here they weren't going to leave. The Israelites were in the wilderness. Where are they going to go? They were stuck together. So they had to figure out how to do intimacy. And they realized that if they created thousands of people into small groups of 10 and under, they would experience belonging. They would work their problems out together. They would do spiritual practice. And then when they came together as the large community, how amazing it could be. Because the large community no longer is about trying to help every individual and draining Moses. It's about let us be people together. Let us love God together. Take care of the problems and the loving and stuff in the small groups. And let's come together and create a huge vibration of God. That's what we do here on Sundays. We come together as a huge vibration of God. But our building component, which we have here at Bodhi, many of you don't know, we have a leadership development program and we have a small group life program that I'm very passionate about. And it is designed off of this Old Testament story where we create circles of 10 people and under to love and care and support each other. And some of you belong to one of those groups. There are service teams. There are home groups. There are spiritual counseling groups. It's our staff. It's our board of directors. Every group here is designed within this 10 and under model where we are not only there to get stuff done, we're there to love each other. We're there to talk about God. We're there to awaken to our divinity together. That can happen. The combination of healthy, small group life where people come together to love and nurture and matter, combined with what we do on Sundays, man, Bodhi can become a light that is so magnificent. It's inherent as a high possibility. We're working very hard. We have an amazing staff and and group of leadership that is building this day to day. And I'll be honest, I'll be really honest, it's not easy to do with you. It's not because you're too busy because you don't know if you want to belong, because it's a different culture, not blaming you. It's a culture. You know, when I grew up, belonging to church was the center of our family. Now, belonging to a spiritual community is only a slice of your life. And that's just what is. We don't do do our spiritual community and then add pieces of life to that. We make spiritual community just one slice of our pie. And that makes sense, because remember, we're coming out of a mindset of control. So you are powerful pioneers, and I get it. Don't tell me what to do. I get it. That's what got you here. Don't tell me what to do. I will not be controlled. I will tell you what I do. I get that. The problem is it's in reaction to what we're coming out of. Do you get that? It's strong, but anything in reaction to something still contains entrapment. So somewhere in the middle, we're working as a brand new community to find this place where you get to be your powerful, independent self because there's strength and beauty and that's important. And how do we get you to let your walls down 
so you can experience greater belonging. You can study, I believe. You can study all the books and take the classes and do a lot online. You don't ever need to come to community, truth be told. You can watch Wayne Dyer and Miriam Williamson and Deepak Chopra and, and, and Joel Olstein and Michael Beckwith. and You can watch these greats all day long in your computer and your PJs. And you will be deeply fed. You will be deeply fed. But, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh said that the, the second coming will not be an individual. It will be within communities. So I believe the next awakening, what he means by that is the next awakening of humanity will exist within us coming to, within people coming together as community, loving each other. Because as much wisdom as you get sitting home in your pajamas, watching the enlightened ones on your computer, you don't get the experience of rubbing up against someone who is your mirror that shows you your hatred. You won't get the experience of rubbing up against uh, a service team where you are certain you know the hundred things they should be doing differently. (laughs) And yet they're not. You will not get the experience of giving your life away and not being recognized for it because someone forgot your name on a list. These things shape us. And we feel our triggers and we feel our hurts. And we feel all the parts of us that need to be healed so that you can know God. That's the opportunity in community. There's a lot. We put a lot of music and a lot of fun around it. But I'm very clear underneath it. You're here to burn. You're here to be dissatisfied in the most glorious way. You're here to experience your charges. And you're here to move through them. Now, In our weakness, we'll leave instead. Many of us have left many things. (laughs) Ooh, this is hard. Got to go. That's it. It's been fun. But as soon as it stops being fun, got to go. But where the rubber meets the road and makes the big difference is for the people who stay. And many of you have. I honor you and celebrate those of you who have been as pissed as can be at me or at Bodie, and somehow you prayed yourself through it because then you're really in the game, and you know that for yourself. So I mention all of this in relationship to this amazing idea that comes from the Old Testament because that's what we're about. And most of you don't know that because I don't think we talk enough about it. That we are here to build intimate spiritual community, which means belonging to small groups, which means praying with each other, which means having prayer partnerships, which means, which means when this place is filled with 500 people, you can look across the room, see some of your group members, and go, ah. Oh, I belong here. I feel intimacy because you see people that matter or that that, that matter to you, that that intentionally belong in your group of matter. It's a powerful time here at Bodhi. We've got so much opportunity and possibility, but we can't do without you. We can't can't continue to, to do the old paradigm, which is generate a really big machine for you to come and enjoy and then sneak away. We want to generate a machine where you come and enjoy and belong to and help build and grow. That's the vision. You know, I strongly believe in tithing. I tithe every penny I make. I actually tithe more than 10% of every penny I make. It is my vision before I die to be giving 50% of all my income away because I know I cannot outgive God. But I'm about 13 to 15% right now. I stretch myself until I get comfortable and I stretch more. 
as it is important for me to give of our money so that I can be released of all suffering in that area, that's the point of tithing. It releases you of your suffering because you say, God first, God first, God first. And you feel your fear right there is what tithing does to us. It's also true for your time and your talent. I believe that when we start to give 10% of our time to something that matters, we become enriched and awakened. I did an equation. I did some numbers this week, and I want to share them with you. So here's the deal. This is, I did it for you. <laughs> there are 168 hours a week. I gave you eight hours of sleep a night, so that's 56 of them. I gave you 50 hours to work, which is probably about average in our culture today. I gave you eight hours of self-care, going to the gym, doing your yoga, those kind of things. I gave you 25 hours for your chores, cooking, shopping, cleaning, the kids, the things you need to do, 25 hours. I gave you 10 hours a week for your spiritual nourishment, going to church, taking a class, doing your meditation, your prayer practices, whatever you want. And I gave you three miscellaneous hours to use if you'd like. That totals 152 hours, 168 hours in your week. That leaves you 16 hours. 10% of 16 hours is 1.6 hours a week. Let's round up because that's what we learned in math. So you have two hours, two hours a week to give away. That's nothing. That's tithing 10% of the gift of time that you have. Everyone should do that. And that is a should with a capital S in my book. And I don't know, and if you don't want to do it here, if your heart says this is not my home, run somewhere else to do it. What do you love? If you love animals, get down to pause and sign up. If you want to help homeless people, get to a kitchen, get to, a, get to somewhere. If you want to help teen moms and whatever moves your heart, you have at least, according to my numbers, <laughs> two hours a week to give eight hours to mo a month, eight to 10 hours a month, you would be so deeply enriched by doing that. And the world would become a better place because of you. Because the truth is, the world cannot be what it's here to be if you don't give yourself to it. That is absolutely the truth. So why does the world keep regenerating its wars and its hatred and its suffering? Because we're a part of that. Because we think we're too busy watching reruns and being too tired from this or that, and then, oh, I don't have time to give. That's not true. It's just not true. It's a lie. If you want to believe the lie, believe it and consciously choose it. But don't be in denial. Every one of us, especially in this room, for as many blessings as we have in life, if we wanted to, could give two hours a week of our life away. What I know is like with tithing around money, it just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> you will probably awaken to, oh my God, my life is better. Time expands for me. When I help other people or animals or creatures or something have a better life, my life is better. How is that possible? Because that's the law. What you give multiplies and comes back to you. So my invitation today, please go into deep prayer. Do your own numbers. you got 168 hours a week. No one gets more or less than that. Do your own numbers. See where it lands. You might discover you have four hours a week to give. What is your, you get, I'm talking about your, your extra time. Above, I gave you everything, your chores, your everything in there. What do you have extra? And how could you give some of it away?
It's really important. It's important for you. I promise that. I think it's important for Bodhi because Bodhi can't grow without you. But I'm going to leave that choice up to you. I'm going to leave that 100% up to you. But what I want to truly, as a minister, inspire you to, to know is that it is in the giving that you become alive. It is in the giving that you experience God. That's what we're here for. And we are building small groups here very intentionally. It's been a lot of work for five years. We've done 90% of it wrong. <laughs> but each time we try, then we do 80% wrong. Then we do 50% wrong. We're about the 20% mark, which is great for us. But this next wave that's going to make it worlds better requires a lot more of us to get involved. So before I move into prayer, I just want to ask, who are our leaders today that are in this room? I'd love for you to stand so we can see you and honor you. These are the leaders that are serving you, giving their time, their talent. These are the people that are leading small groups, that are creating care, and thank you. Thank you, all of you, for doing that. And do we have students in the room who are in the leadership class? Anyone in the class? Stand up if you're in the leadership class. Thank you. Thank you. They're taking a six-week class, a six, finishing a six-week class on this whole leadership program here at Bodie so that they can move into helping us grow. So I honor all of you, the students, the existing leaders. You're doing amazing work. And for all of you, I invite you to get into a group to, to if you want Bodie to be your spiritual community, Consider doing that. I promise you, promise you, you will know God in a brand new way. Yes? All right, let us pray. Take a deep breath. Hmm. I invite our spiritual counselors to stand and hold the space for us. And just breathe for a moment. Feel the opening of your heart. If anything was triggered, if anything, any shame pockets, or if I used the word should and it made you react, see if you can loosen that up a little bit. moment I just say yes to the living God to the life the one life that is so magnificent so beautiful and free and experienced in relationship where the other becomes the one and all separation dissolves this is the possibility and the opening and the expansion that we are here for in this incarnation as humanity we are here to awaken to a collective consciousness of freedom and love and belonging 
where sharing of generous resources is, is, is effortless and full, deeply fulfilling and a way of life. I know that I'm one with this power and presence as we all are. And in this moment, I declare for each one of us that the walls of fear that keep us separate from intimacy are dissolved. That we surrender now and we allow the living God to build intimate connections within our spiritual community, within our families, within our home life, within our work life, everywhere we go. Sweet Spirit, help us to let down the walls of fear. Let us know belonging to you, sweet Spirit, in such a wonderful way. And let us, let that overflow and ripple out into every relationship in our lives. And I speak a blessing upon this beloved community, knowing that its reason for being here is to support us in stopping the insanity of separation, ending the suffering that comes with independent self-protection, codependent fears are dissolved here and now by the power of my word and we ease into oneness into belonging into sharing and caring I know and affirm that each one of us has a gift to give to the world and it's necessary that we give it so I bless all of us and know that we are even now finding that way to share our gifts with the world whatever that is wherever it is we leave this up to God guide us sweet spirit into where it is we may give ourselves freely, freely and joyously. Oh, and let us surrender everything else. Surrender. Breathe. Yes. I am a child of the living God. Yes. May sweet surrender sweet surrender letting go and letting God grateful for the fulfillment of this prayer I release it now into the action of the law knowing that it is done and together in joy and acceptance we say and so it is and so it shall be